Exodus 17. We covered a lot of text last week. We covered all of 16, just to kind of get the the whole story without having to break it up. But tonight we're going to cover just a little text from one extreme to the other. Just a few short little verses tonight. Exodus 17. Just the first seven verses. Kind of following along the same lines really tonight of what we've seen the last last few weeks with Moses and the people of Israel and their attitude and the way they've been acting and the things that they have uh, been complaining about. We kind of see that same type of, uh, of thing going on in the verses tonight. So we'll read through the text and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. Verse 1. <clears throat> The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, Give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me? Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said... Why did you even bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? In a little while they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I am going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it, and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord, saying, Isn't the Lord among us? Is the Lord among us or not? Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for these words, and I pray that you would just kind of help us to see what's going on here in these verses and tonight and in the last few weeks that we've looked at and just kind of learned from uh, how the people acted, dear Lord, and how you acted, how, how, how they complained, dear Lord, but how you were, were patient with them and, and took care of them through their time of need. And God, I pray that in these few minutes as we just look at these few verses, that the Holy Spirit would just point out something, some little something that we need to hear, dear Lord, that you need to speak to us tonight so that we can grow in you and grow in your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this story is similar to the one uh, that we saw a couple of weeks ago where they wanted water. You probably remember that story. They, were, they had been uh, on the verge of, uh, of, 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 of death, we could say. They had been three days without water, and so they probably weren't going to make it much longer in the desert. And the text says that they grumbled because of their condition. There was a real need there, as well as it was last week. There was a need for food. And here again this week, we're right back to where they were. Uh, uh, I don't know how much time had passed in the text, but it probably had been a few days, maybe a few weeks since they had just experienced this. And they still were grumbling and complaining about how things had worked out, that they didn't have the water that they wanted to drink as they were on this journey. And we see, uh, we've seen the same thing over and over and over, and the people keep acting the same way, and God keeps bailing them out of trouble. And so we kind of get the idea, every time this takes place, they begin to grumble to Moses. Now, 
it's understandable that they would want water. I mean, this is a natural thing. It's not like they're requesting something that's just uh, something just for fun that they want. It's not like they're requesting a, a new chariot or some horses or, or some kind of worldly possession, some kind of wealth or something. They're not requesting something that is, that is, that is unnecessary. They're requesting something that is a real legitimate need. They are simply wanting water but God is not providing that to them, at least not as quick as they think that it should be provided to them. And so they begin to grumble and complain to the Lord. And it says that they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, give us water to drink. And so here they go. They're complaining to Moses but really, they're not complaining just about Moses or just to Moses. They are really complaining about God and to God. Now, this is an important thing for us to notice here in these verses. Now, obviously, God is the one who has done all the work that has been done. He has done this work through Moses, who is his servant, that he has called uh, to lead his people. God is the one doing the work, but for the people who aren't speaking to God face to face, who aren't experiencing God in the same way that Moses is, Moses is that spokesman between God and between the people. And so naturally when there is a problem uh, with what is going on and they have a problem with how God is doing things, they take it out on the one who is closest to the Lord and their opinion, the one who represents God, in this case, Moses. Now, this is a, uh, an important thing for us to notice. I had a, a pastor share some wisdom uh, with me just a few weeks ago. He said, sometimes as a pastor, you're going to encounter people who are going to come at you and who are going to attack you. He said, because they are mad at the Lord. It may not be something that you have done personally. It may not be that they are mad at you, but oftentimes when people are angry with the Lord, they go to the person in their life who most represents the Lord to them. So for pastors, oftentimes people who are angry at the Lord or mad at the Lord or think the Lord is evil or the Lord is not just, they will take that out on a pastor. Now that applies all the way to any Christian, not just a pastor, and you may have experienced that. If you are a faithful Christian and you live for the Lord and you have those in your life who know that you live for the Lord and they become angry with the Lord or they are mad because uh, something has happened in their life or whatever the situation may be, perhaps they don't want to turn to the Lord, it may be that they attack you and that they look at you as being a representative of God. After all, you stand by God. You say that God is good. You say that God will take care of people in their time of need, but yet they are not being taken care of, so therefore they kind of bring that on you as a representative of someone who represents God. And that's what was taking place here in this story with Moses. The people were taking their frustration out on Moses, but Moses was not really who they were frustrated with. It was, deep down, their frustration with the Lord. <clears throat> In verse, uh, continuing on in verse 2, why are you complaining to me? So Moses knew, look, there's nothing I can do. I'm doing everything that God has called me to do. I'm leading you guys through the wilderness the way that God has told me to lead you. 
So why, therefore, are you going to complain to me? What can I do? There is nothing that Moses could do on his own. He knew that God was in control. I believe that Moses was probably trusting in the Lord. He probably wasn't uh, questioning how God was doing things. Maybe Moses was too. But I like to think, at least from at least at this point in Moses' life, that he was faithful to the Lord. And Moses is saying, what can I do? Well, the answer of course, was nothing. Moses could do nothing apart from God unless God called him to do something. And then Moses pointed out the real concern here, and that is they were testing the Lord. Moses says, why are you testing the Lord? No doubt Moses is probably trying to recall, don't you remember what just happened? It wasn't too long ago that you needed food and you begin to complain and grumble. And did not God uh, kind of act sternly and, and, and gently with you at the same time? He, he showed that, that you shouldn't have acted that way, yet he still provided. And he, and he probably is pointing them back to when they wanted water, trying to help them remember that did not God provide for you earlier when we were in this same type of situation? And he calls the people out here and he says, why are you testing the Lord? He lets them know that what they are doing is not right, that they are questioning God, they don't trust in the Lord, and there are consequences oftentimes that come uh, with that when we uh, begin to doubt the Lord and begin to try to do things on our own or begin to uh, lose our faith in the Lord or try to figure out things the way we want to figure things out. In verse 3, But the people thirsted there for water, and grumbled against Moses, they said, Why did you ever bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Again, same type of attitude that they have had in the weeks prior. Now they're saying, not only are you going to kill us, but you're going to kill our children, you're going to kill our livestock, we will be completely devastated. So their frustration is, is, is growing. God, uh, Moses says, why are you testing God? And the people are saying, why did you bring us out here to kill us? Now, they still haven't understood what's going on. And we know that the tension is rising and that things are getting worse because Moses says in verse 4, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? In a little while they will stone me. So it had gotten really serious. Moses was fearful for his life. The people were obviously in such an uproar and things were, were getting so bad that Moses was afraid that he would soon be stoned, that they were going to take out this frustration that they had, of uh, the frustration of the Lord that they had, and they were going to take that out on Moses. Now, again, this was a real concern. They needed water. The problem was not that they needed water, but the problem was how they reacted in showing their lack of faith and their lack of trust in God especially after all that God had done for them leading up to this point. It's not like this is the first time in Israel's, uh, in the last few months of Israel's life that they had come on hard times and that they've never seen God do a mighty work. No, they were well aware of what God could do, and yet they were still complaining. Now, this is a good time for us to pause for a second and say, boy, well, you're just preaching the same thing you've preached the last two weeks. Well, yeah, I am. But I think it's important for us to see that these things kept occurring in Israel's uh, history, and sometimes they occur in our history. How many times do one week we do something and God blesses us and we think everything's good, and then the next week we complain, and then God blesses, and then we complain, and then God blesses, and then we complain, and then we doubt, and then we worry, and then we question, and then we grumble, we're not so different from the Israelites. I think it's important for us to kind of see this pattern 
because it is indeed the same pattern that, that we oftentimes live in our life. And he goes on to say a little further, The Lord answered Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. Now, isn't that interesting? God recalls something that happened a while back. He tells Moses to take the same staff that he struck the Nile. You remember that. That was the first uh, plague that God did. He turned the Nile River into blood, and it was when Moses struck the water with his staff that the river was turned into blood. And so obviously there was no power in this staff apart from any power that God had put in it. And he tells Moses to take that same staff and go and do what God is going to tell him to do. Perhaps he's trying to give Moses some encouragement there. Perhaps by calling Moses' attention back to something that Moses had used previously and God had done a mighty work through, perhaps Moses needed a little encouragement. Uh, I can imagine that he did as the people were coming against him uh, with the intention possibly of stoning him. Obviously, there was some <coughs> fear there, and maybe Moses needed that little extra bit of encouragement. And so God told him to take the same staff and to go uh, to this certain place. In verse 6, I am going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Now this is a miraculous event that is about to take place. Now notice what God tells him to do. One, he tells Moses to gather up the elders of the people of Israel. Now, typically when I think of elders, I think of those who may be older, those who may be looked up to in the community, those who may have wisdom, and I believe that that's probably the same type of thing that was, that was going on with the people of Israel. There are people in our lives that are probably older, that are wiser, that we look up to. And oftentimes when people like that in a church or in a community, in a group speak, people tend to listen to them. And so I believe that God told Moses to take these elders so that they could experience what was about to take place because they would be able to go back and tell the people this miraculous act that had taken place. They weren't just uh, getting it secondhand. They weren't just getting it from Moses saying, oh, by the way, I struck this rock. But they were going to be able to see God's power. And isn't that interesting and kind of crazy to think about, that there was going to be water that was going to come from a rock? Now you think about that for a second. We've got hundreds of thousands of Israelites, possibly a couple of million of Israelites in the wilderness. It takes a large amount of water to get everybody, all of their livestock, watered. And here God was about to make water come from a rock. I don't know how big this rock is, but I believe that it's a miracle nonetheless. I don't know how it happened. Did the rock split open and water gush out? Did water just begin to run from underneath the rock? Did, did water shoot up from the top of the rock? We don't know how this took place, but we know that God said that he was going to do it, and indeed he did it. Now he also told uh, Moses as he was going to do this, he says, I am going to stand there in front of you, or some of your translations say before you. God was reminding Moses that he was going to be there with him. He was going to be in front of him. Sometimes you hear a pastor say in their prayer, hide me behind the cross, which I think is another way of saying is, God, go before me. God, be in front of me. God, you speak these words. 
And in this case, I think God was reminding Moses that he was going to be with him, that he was going to be in front of him, that he was going to do the good work. And Moses just needed to be obedient. And sometimes we need to be reminded of the same thing because there may be those situations in our life that may seem, that may seem dire, that may seem really bad, and they may really be bad. I'm not saying that these situations aren't bad. The situation of the Israelites here, it was a bad situation. They desperately needed water. There may be times in our life where we are in legitimately bad situations and we may not understand what God is calling us to, but if God is calling us to do something that may seem hard or may not make sense, just as it didn't make sense to the Israelites why things were taking so long or why they were uh, wandering around here in the wilderness when they were supposed to be going to the promised land, sometimes in our life things don't make sense. But we need to be reminded that oftentimes if God calls us to something, that he goes before us, that he goes in front of us, that he is with us. It may be that person that God is convicting you or, or laying on your heart to talk to. Maybe you feel like you need to share the gospel with them in some way or share a scripture with them or simply uh, pray for them. But you're not sure how they're going to take it. You're not sure how they are going to respond. But what I've found is that oftentimes, if I feel the Holy Spirit leading me in that way, that God prepares the way for me. Oftentimes, I find that as scary as it may seem, that if I'm prayerful about it and say, okay, God, go before me and prepare their heart. Let the Holy Spirit be working in this person's life before I get there. And oftentimes, I find that when I go and begin to talk, a heart that used to be hard toward the Lord is suddenly receptive. It's almost as though they're expecting you to come. And the reason why that is is because God has gone before you. God has gone in front of you. God has prepared the way for you. How many times in God's life maybe has he called us to something and we never followed through with what God called us to do? How many times in our life maybe has God prepared someone in our life that we we're supposed to encounter or supposed to go and love on a little bit and we never went because we were afraid. Now I'm telling you that because I know that sometimes it's scary and sometimes it takes us a while to build up the courage. But oftentimes we, we, we miss opportunities I believe because we don't trust in God the way that we should. We don't, we don't have the faith in God and believe that he has gone before us, that he is in front of us, that he has prepared a way for us. And just as God had gone before Moses there and was in front of Moses, in front of all of the people of Israel, at least the elders there, God did a mighty work and God met their need. God quenched their thirst through a rock. Now, I can't help but think of Jesus Christ when I read these verses as they may point us to thinking about Jesus being our rock that they may point us to the fact that Jesus is the source of everlasting water as we see when Jesus meets the woman at the well and he says, look, you need to realize who you're talking to and if you realized who I was, you would be asking me for water. And Jesus wasn't talking about drinking water. He's talking about spiritual water. We've even seen in 1 Corinthians, I can't remember, uh, chapter 10, I think it is, at the beginning where it talks about, where Paul is talking about and drawing the people of Corinth back to uh, uh, um, Moses and getting water from the rock. And he's speaking in a spiritual sense. 
The fact that Paul uses that illustration, I believe, ties us back into this very text. And so I believe it's natural for us to see Jesus in this text and to think about the fact that as God provided water for his people then in a physical sense, so he provides water for us now in a spiritual sense, sometimes maybe in a physical sense too. But we have to look at the bigger picture here and we have to remember that God is with us, that God goes before us and that God will meet the needs that he has for us. That as Christians, God has not called us to follow him only to leave us so that we can be uh, just completely destroyed and hopeless and have to face hard times alone and, 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 and never have any hope or help in our life. That's not what God has saved us for. God has saved us for his purpose, for his kingdom, to grow in him and to lead others to him. And sometimes along the way, it may be bumpy, it may seem like it doesn't make sense, it may be scary, and it may seem like our needs aren't getting met. But just as God was with the Israelites, so God is with us on the journey. And just as he provides what they needed, he provides what we needed, both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. And just when it, th it seems like things can't get any worse, just when it seems like those seasons in life are, are tough and, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, oftentimes God comes through. As we grumble and complain, God hears us and God delivers us. So let us think about these actions of the Israelites over the last few weeks and let us think about our own life and think, are there times maybe where we complain a little too much and we need to have a little more faith? Are there times where we are impatient because we want things in our time and we need to be reminded that God is going to do things in his time. And we can also know that when God does it in his time, it will be the right time. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for these words. And I pray that you would just help us to uh, not be those who live in, <clears throat> in doubt, dear Lord, or, or lack of faith for what you're doing. But God, help us to be those who trust you. Dear Lord, also help us to be strong for those who may come against us, God. There may be some who come against us as, as, a, as a Christian just because we represent you, God, and we stand up for you, and they uh, may want to take their frustrations on you, dear Lord, out on us. And so help us to be strong, to know, God, that uh, the problem is not with us, but the problem is with you, dear Lord. But help us to, to try to lead them to you in a way that they can see that you are love, that you are uh, gracious, dear Lord, that you're merciful that we can point them to Jesus Christ and uh, the sacrifice that he made on the cross on their behalf, dear Lord. Help us to be able to, to bring that to a, a world that often comes against us, dear Lord. Help us to be patient and gentle with them, even though uh, oftentimes, dear Lord, they may not deserve it. Dear Lord, we don't deserve it either. We don't deserve the love that you gave us, but you freely gave it to us. And so, God, we receive freely, so let us give freely. God, you have forgiven us, so let us forgive others. And God, help us to never lose uh, sight of the fact that you will take care of us, that you will be with us. Even on the roughest days, dear Lord, help us to keep our faith and our hope in that truth. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.